Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you on the program. A program that solicits your involvement anytime you want to join in via the YouTube cameras, which are brought to you by the Airlines team. Plenty of people just hanging out, Jackson, waiting to talk it over in that YouTube chat. You can make friends in there. Yeah. Lifetime friends. Lifetime friends. I agree with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're in there and they're talking it over already. It's a 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. And then, of course, the text line is sponsored by Air Comfort Service, 314-399-9646. It's Thursday. And that would tell me we probably have a Thursday thoroughfare? Uh, you'd be told correctly. wonder what the lead is. The lead to me is obvious, Tim, because, you know, last night, uh, late start, but... A win nonetheless. What a win for the note on the road in <laughs> I Western worried. I was Canada. About, to hear about a win for the Warriors over the Hawks. No, no, no. That's what I thought it was going to be. We'll get to that in the fourth segment. Uh, what a win uh, for the note on the road in Western Canada, making it three in a row and winning both ends of the back to back. What did you make of Shen's goal in overtime? What about the performance from Joel Hofer? And is this a game that could help bolster Drew Bannister's resume to become full time coach of the Blues? Well, Jackson, those are all wonderful questions. And here's the nice thing about today's conversation on topic number one. Jackson Bennett Burkett watched a part of the game. That's yeah. right. Jackson Bennett Burkett watched a part of the game. A part is going to be the key word there. No, I understand. About halfway through the third period till the end of overtime, I watched. And you were returning from a cocktail lounge where you had been drinking wine coolers. You, yeah, wine coolers and then, yeah, like a you know, uh, Shirley Temple with vodka. Ooh, chaser. That's right. And it's delicious. And no hangover. Um no, I woke up groggy in bed, saw a tweet saying, well, you know, what a finish tonight for the Blues. And I was like, okay. And so I fired it up on my cell phone and watched about, you know, the last uh, 10, 15 minutes of the game. I am telling you. I mean, this is back-to-backers. I'm not talking about just schedule-wise, back-to-back games. Right. In a matter of 48 hours, hell, 24 hours, the Blues have gone from 12th place in the Western Conference to 9th place, and now a point back of Nashville. Got some helpful results around the Western Conference as well. But uh, I'd be real curious, and I know you can you can pair the math of the money line against the Flames and, and the money line against the Canucks and go, well, this is what it would have paid. But I don't think that's the, that's the way that you would have gotten to the conclusion of what it would have been to say the Blues have to win both games back-to-back against the Flames and Canucks and what you would have been paid on that. Yeah, I would think it would have been somewhere around 8 to 1 to 10 to 1 would, have yeah. been, would be my guess, considering yeah. how good the Canucks are, considering the back-to-back, considering the Canucks were able to rest, Blues weren't. I mean, this is a, this is a potentially, and I realize, therefore, it's really not an opinion because it's been couched by <laughs> potentially. A little hedge. But uh, monumental moment in Drew Bannister's career. 
sounds hyperbolic, but I really do believe that. So I think to answer your final question, yes, yeah. it could very well be. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, this is the second time the Blues have beaten one of the best teams in the game in a matter of three weeks. They beat the Canucks in St. Louis. And then uh, now, uh, I guess 20 days later, they beat the Canucks in Vancouver. They beat them on a back-to-back. They really outplayed them on the first half of the game. Um, that was a game where, from my standpoint, they could have actually had a much bigger lead at the same time. Uh, Joel Hofer kept him uh, with that lead with some big-time saves. He was going Statue of Liberty a few times there. Man, that overtime save on the fast break was In legit. particular. Yeah. So then... Honestly, when Van, Vancouver ties it up with about 54 seconds left with the empty net, my mind immediately goes, well, they're going to lose in overtime. Hopefully they can get to overtime to make sure they get the point. Right, because there's like 50 seconds after 54 they scored. 54 seconds, yeah. yeah. And so when Shen scores that goal, I'm like, oh my God. Now, now I don't know what the perspective of the people in St. Louis is, but now we have a little apples to apples moment from my standpoint. It's not exactly apples to apples, but it's pretty damn close. And I'm curious what people think on this. Because I don't think you'd find too many people who have either watched highlights of it or are watching it live when Robert Thomas was tripped up mm-hmm. right in front of the official right. on that Saturday night game against the Bruins in overtime, and then Boston goes down and scores the game winner, and you go, oh, well, that, that had a point taken away. I don't think this was as egregious. I think Pedersen went down fairly easily. I don't think Boston fans would say Thomas went down fairly easily. Either way, I think in both cases, a call was missed. In one case, it burned the Blues. In this case, it benefited the Blues. And perhaps it's now even. But the Blues, the, the Vancouver crowd, similar to the St. Louis crowd that night against Boston, you know, is in full bitch mode when, sure. when the call was not made. Uh, then Shen scores. Pedersen immediately goes over to the official, and the Blues get the point that they should have gotten against Boston. Perhaps they get it against Vancouver last night. Uh, here is uh, how it sounded. Shen then takes it over the line. Kuzmenko stripped it on him. Here comes Pedersen into the blue zone on Letty. Then Shen knocked it away. Letty's going to get it back. Skated ahead. Two on one with Shen. Letty. In, looking, Letty running out of room. Pedersen falls down in front of the net. Blues get it to Shen. He scores! The St. Louis Blues win! Bring out the Zamboni! The captain buries the game winner for the Blues! 4-3 the final tonight in Vancouver! How do you do? How do you do? Yeah, that's fire. That's Chris Kerber and Cam Jansen with the whoo! The Will Ferrell in the background. Shen, he scores! Cam. I love, <laughs> love that it. Cam Jansen. Yeah, me too, man. Might be one of my favorite people in all the land. Yeah, he's uh, So the Blues, I mean, how do you do, Jackson? How what do you that? do? Cons- here's, here's where things were. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, Because well, today I'm not going to let you lie to this audience. I'm not going to let you do it. Right. Damn it. After the game against Philadelphia, not so much. The Boston was frustrating, but you weren't necessarily pissed at the Blues. You're pissed at the official. But you still pick up a point. But you right. lost... Game against Philadelphia on that Monday, then the loss against Washington. You're going, okay, this might be yeah. the death spiral. Mm-hmm. And they were trailing by a significant number of points on the wild card spot with a bunch of teams in between. Then they get a very impressive, not just win, but performance against the Capitals on Saturday night in St. Louis. Go out on this trip, 
comeback against Calgary in another game that looked like it could have gotten away, and instead Shen gets that shorthanded goal, carrying some momentum into the third period in which Cairo gets the game-tying goal, and then they win it. And then you're like, okay, now you're kind of playing with house money against Vancouver. Hope for get the start on the best teams, whatever. And then they come out, Jake Neighbors, Pareko, bats out of hell. And then they're able to hold on and then win it in overtime. Holy crap. So at this exact same time last year, it was a different set of circumstances because the free agents that were going to be out there for the Blues, different than this year. But Doug Armstrong and the Blues were evaluating a homestand at this time last year. And it was do or die. If the Blues were able to succeed the homestand, maybe they would hold on. Still would have advised against it personally, but either way, they might have held on. But instead, they got worked over in the homestand. And uh, what happened after that was no more Tarasenko, no more O'Reilly, no more Barbashev. Now, different set of circumstances because you don't have that free agent class again. But at this exact same time in the season and against a much more difficult portion of the schedule with this opponent stretch since around Christmas, the Blues have beaten the Stars, the Canucks twice, beat the Rangers, the Cairo Hattrick night. Um, we're right there with the Bruins. I'm probably missing one. I mean, they're right there with the Avalanche and then lost that one in the final few minutes. Uh, point being, number one, they're playing against great opponents and doing this. Number two, they're having some comeback wins, some wins that put you to the test, like a back-to-back. They've played six back-to-backs this year. They're three and three in back-to-backs, back-to-backs in Calgary and Vancouver. I mean, that's a, especially with the order of Calgary, then Vancouver, and considering the Canucks rest. Yeah. Uh, and then also, if the team is to get into the playoffs, barring a huge, huge surprise, they're not going to be chasing down Winnipeg, Colorado, or Dallas. So they're going to be in, in the wild card spot. Well, who are you going to be, play, be playing? You're going to be playing one of these top teams. But the Blues won the season series against the Canucks 2-1. And perhaps their least impressive game of the early portion of the year was a Friday night loss to Vancouver. And now they come back and they beat them in the next two. So with that said, and now just a point back in Nashville, they get to play Los Angeles, who's the wild card leader on Sunday. This is, uh, I don't know. Listen, let me tell you what I got. I got a fire under my ass. Okay. I was, I was, I was, I was fired up. I, I don't know if I went new like Cam, <laughs> even though I like the woo. Yeah. But uh, when Shen got that goal, a little fire under my ass. And yeah. you know what? I'm not afraid to say it, Jackson. Come sure. after me. Sure. Come after me. I'm right here. Sure. Think I you will. can take me? I got good shot as anybody. Uh, I, you know, I'm pretty outspoken about my uh, passion for the game of hockey. Yeah, or lack thereof, whichever your interpretation is. But it doesn't take a genius to look at like a game log and say like, if this team is to make in the playoffs, they have the capabilities of not only beating good teams, but going on little runs, like you said, comeback victory. So if you can get in the dance, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that a run could be possible. Having said that, you're going to be playing a top team. But like you said, Vancouver's top team won the season series. They've had great performances, come from behind performances with Drew Bannister at the helm. You know, maybe things are a little bit different. Yeah, weirdly enough, the Blues have had real issues with one of the top teams currently. I don't know if they'll finish there in the Jets ever since the 2019 playoffs. And I think they're like 9-2-1 and one in their last 12 against the Canucks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you could kind of handpick, sure. you know, you'd go, oh, let's fly four and a half hours back and forth to, to deal with the Canucks. Break their hearts again. Um, so that is, a, that is a, a super encouraging win. And I wonder if you are in Doug Armstrong's chair, and if a decision has not been made already, if you go, you know, the, this team 
has really responded against some better opposition. And, you know, the schedule lightens up a little bit after the All-Star break relative. I mean, I don't know if you're going to get a tougher stretch than what they've had since dating back to that Christmas run of just top teams. So this is encouraging. It's exciting. Jake Neighbors' performance, Joel Hofer, I haven't spent much time on him outside of the Statue of Liberty. But, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, he gave up three goals, but he had some Big saves. You cited the one in overtime. Canucks had some opportunities. Blues also could have opened that thing up way more than 2-0. Um, so that's impressive, and that's a big win. That that 24-hour stretch of the comeback against the Flames and the performance last night, and then still to get that additional point in overtime, uh, that is, uh, that's, that's monstrous if this team does go into the playoffs. I think we'll point to that. And yeah, I think if Drew agreed. Bannister winds up being the head coach, we will point to these two hours, or uh, these two games, excuse me, in 24 hours. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. You're also welcome to participate in the chat, in the YouTube chat, uh, 101 ESPN channel. We have the Thursday Thoroughfare presented by Little Piddles here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Blue Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Watch us on uh, YouTube and uh, let us know if you'd like to go out with us. I'd like to go out with us. So good. Such a sick drop in. Jackson, it's a Thursday thoroughfare here. We talked about this Blues win. I'm all fired up. It was a gym dandy is what it was. I kind of, the Canucks were minus 210 last night. Yeah, I was actually really mm-hmm. thinking about betting against the Blues last night. Just because, oh you know, my God. Binner's, Binner's out, you know, Holford's going to be in there, one of the best teams of the league coming on rest. Blues are on the second half of back-to-back. It had all the recipe, but oftentimes when the recipe is all there, the opposite happens. Mm. Notice the line hasn't moved on the 49ers-Lions, by the way. So that's six and a half or seven? Seven. Yeah. And I make that observation. I didn't finish the sentence so therefore that's just bad broadcasting on my part so jackson apologizes my bad my bad uh with debo samuel now i know kyle shanahan said he wasn't going to practice yesterday so that wasn't surprising but he didn't practice yesterday he's got a shoulder you know he's got at least i think he's going to try to play oh yeah 100 percent. i mean do our lions sneak in maybe i don't think that the niners offense is i mean Obviously, Debo is unbelievable in what he can do. He's so multifaceted, but the Kyle Shanahan offense is so unreal that I don't think that I maybe a point off the spread if Debo's out, but I don't think much more than that. I think maybe you lose that hook and get a six and a half, but I don't know. I, I would just think that a lot of public bets would be coming out on the Lions. That's what strikes me as odd. And yet, it's actually not that way at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the money is also on the Ravens. And the uh, on the in the Forty ers for the record, Jackson. What's question two on today's Thursday thoroughfare here on Balloon Party One Hundred One ESPN? So you're going to see me look at you while I ask this question, is because I'm freestyling this question oh. only because I think it's pertinent to our conversation from last segment, okay. and also pertinent to what's going on right now. Obviously, a lot of coaching vacancies, a lot of coaching changeover over the last few weeks, and probably much more to come. I gave you a parlay of Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers, Bill Belichick to the Falcons, and we bet $100, and you would pay me 5 to 1 if both hit. Yeah, if there was like a cash-out option on that, you would be getting paid pretty good right now. I'll give you a cash-out option, even though Belichick's interviewed twice now. With did Arthur I Blank. make that play? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, No, you didn't. I can't do that to you. I didn't. What do you have, like some kind of 
on Golden Pond situation going on? <laughs> Selective memory. Yeah, I guess. And, uh, some We make a lot of plays sometimes. I should probably write them down. I have thought a, you did. You act like, like you write them down. Do I? I don't yeah. think I do. I don't even, I know I owe you money, but I don't know how much. I think it's 20 at the moment. Okay. We'll just keep it rolling. All right. We'll keep enough. it rolling. You know, it's like, it's like a golf page. And then, you know, back and forth. He'll play again. Play again. Yeah, eventually I got down to a guy pretty much and he goes, hey, maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I agree with you. It's getting a little... <laughs> So what's, my, what's the question? Yeah, my question is when you're looking at all these coaching vacancies, obviously we're doing a lot of like, you know, almost like fancy football, right? Where should this person go, that person go? If you're inside the organization, whether it be player, staff, even fans, how do you think people react to the in-house hire versus the maybe a little bit more splashy public hire from elsewhere? How do you think front offices balance that? How do you think that looks from inside with the players and how they react to it? Is it totally situational? What are your thoughts on it? I really like the question, but I have a question first. How does this tie into the first segment? Uh, Drew Bannister. Drew Bannister. Yeah. Got it. Okay, then I, I follow you on that. God, I don't know. I feel like it's a case by case on the, sp- not sport, because I could say college football and pro football, both football, but different. Yeah, right. Um, so, for example, why do I differentiate specifically to college football? I'm sure you're making reference, of course, to, to Harbaugh, even though it ties into Bannister's interim status. Um, if you have an assistant who is incredibly popular with recruits and boosters, that matters a hell of a lot more than saying a pro coach who's popular with like free agents mm-hmm. and sponsors. Right. The recruit thing matters a hell of a lot more than free agents in college football and transfer portal for that matter, yeah. which is essentially free agency. And then boosters, my God, I, think, I mean, I really think when it gets down to it, boosters, it depends on what university, but assuming you're a big time program in the spot for, to compete for a national championship, a la the defending national champions in Ann Arbor, then that stuff matters. Uh, I think boosters have played a role in essentially managing Auburn's athletic department for a yeah. while. So with that all established, it's a case by case spot for whatever reason, um, Brian Kelly, and now again, these are this is solely just like people theorizing and kind of, I think, hoping because they're Missouri fans are mad at Blake Baker that Kelly would then leave Baton Rouge yeah. and go to Ann Arbor to replace him. Yeah. Uh, credible reports from Pete Thamel yesterday suggested that they are not going to go outside the program. And um, Coach Moore, who replaced Harbaugh during the three-game suspension and obviously was undefeated since the team was, uh, would be the head coach. Yeah, yeah, makes total sense. And Michigan, in particular, is in such a weird spot. I know. I mean, now that portal will open up for 30 days for their players, right? they weren't going to have the same group back anyway, although there's still high expectations. Mm-hmm. It's a tough spot. If, if you're him, you want that opportunity, of course, but... He's going to be held to a standard just like Kalen DeBoer is going to be held to a standard. And you have three of the four teams that were in the playoff just two and a half weeks ago with different coaches. The only one who's still around is Sarkeesian in Austin. Yep, yep. yeah. And it probably wouldn't have been that way had uh, Saban not retired, but that obviously was... Well, that would immediately eliminate Alabama's position, right. and then DeBoer isn't leaving. I don't think DeBoer's leaving Seattle for much else. No, you no, know? no way. And so that's kind of like what I'm... Like, especially with Michigan, so they obviously in the playoffs. So in that December run where people are transferring like crazy, they're not involved with that. They're locked into what they're doing. And then they win 
the national championship, and then their coach leaves. So now this portal opens up. There's not as many players as there was come December. You got a new coach coming in, possible sanctions and penalties coming in with that. They're in like a really weird spot where they had like the ultimate mountain climb where they are the best team in the nation and now could be facing like a really steep descent, like yes. a major way. And I, that's kind of, I had another question about that on the thoroughfare is how do you think Harbaugh's reputation will age in Ann Arbor, because right now he's the king of the world. He brought them a national title. Uh, he will be like a uh, like a Barry Bonds in San Francisco, like a politician if it's from your team's side, uh, who no matter what, you'll say, well, he's innocent, or if he's not on your side, you'll say he's guilty. So outside of Ann Arbor, he'll be a pariah. Inside of Ann Arbor, he'll be how Barry Bonds is welcome back to, what is it now, Oracle Park? Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Like, because I think, I think baseball fans, when Barry Bonds shows up and they stand as if Babe Ruth himself has just walked out of the field, people go, What in the hell? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then in San Francisco, they're like, Why does everybody hate Barry Bonds? That's, that's how I think it will play out. I'm sure there's some other examples, perhaps you can think of maybe involving basketball. I don't know. On that, I'm not positive, but I asked the question about Harbaugh only because if they do have sanctions and penalties come down on them. I know what you're, I I get what you're saying. They'll say that it was wrong. Okay. Okay. They'll say that he's innocent. So if they go on like a a rough four year stretch and it's basically due to what Harbaugh was doing, I don't know if his reputation will falter a little bit. Uh, I mean, I suppose if you're you're setting the bar a little bit, then I suppose. But he's still he is he is a god uh, forever. Yeah, he he played there. He came back. He won against Ohio State after the losing streak, and then he won a national championship. He's a god. He is. It's over. He is now a deity in Michigan, and to all Michigan alums, I don't see. I mean, not all to the vast majority right. of Michigan alums. Furthermore, if now he goes to the pros and gets that thing going in San Diego, uh, now he will have turned around Stanford, the 49ers, Michigan, and the Los Angeles, not San Diego, Chargers. Yeah, yeah, that would be an unbelievable. I mean, we look at we talked about this on TMA yesterday, how under the radar what his brother has done in Baltimore has been. And we're seeing that play out right now as they're in the AFC Championship. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I don't. It's almost like I don't want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens because people don't want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens, and I don't really know what that is. I know I'm not really interested in the Baltimore Ravens either, honestly. But it just kind of hit me that I'm like, man, I think the Baltimore Ravens have been one of the best teams. I mean, certainly not that the Patriots are going to be the one because of the run. But next to the Patriots, and I don't know. I mean, this is all off the top of my head, and somebody might go, "How are you forgetting about this team?" But I would think the second most successful team since 2000 would be the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, there's two Super Bowl championships. There's 15 appearances in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's been some runs to the AFC Championship game that didn't end in Super Bowls. I, I could be off the, but yet, but I think they're like viewed as like oh, the Ravens. You yeah. Know? yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a Spurs thing. If it's like a Cardinals thing, like how the Cardinals are on the Cardinals are back again. I don't know. Probably closer to the Cardinals thing. I also think... But they did have a a polarizing personality Mm -hmm. in Ray Lewis. Totally, totally. You know, Lamar Jackson, I think people appreciate him, but I don't think he's 
loved or hated like Ray sure. Lewis, you right. know? Definitely not like Ray Lewis and the obvious off-the-field stuff with him that was going on. But I mean, too. Lamar Jackson is Patrick Mahomes. How do you do? That's outstanding. Yeah. I think part of the Baltimore thing is because the success is over a long period of time, and it's not like the Chiefs that have been like this, like yeah. in, in a tight window of time, they've been unbelievable. You know, their Super Bowl wins are far apart, but they're in the playoffs almost every single year. I think the AFC North plays a little bit in that because it's kind of like that grittier style of football. I agree, and that's what I was about to say. I think they do it in a more gritty way and certainly the 2000 team. God, I would have loved it if the Rams could have played them in that Super Bowl. Oh, the Rams that, lost to the Saints. That offense versus that defense? Because the defense was dreadful and the Ravens offense was dreadful. Dilfer? Was that Dilfer? It, it was uh, Dilfer, I believe, yes. Um, I mean, they were, but they're, but both all, the Rams offense was so good. Yeah. May have been better than 99. Mm. Um, obviously won't be thought of in the same vein as 99 or 2001 because they didn't have the record. But they didn't have the record because the defense was so atrocious. That was the Mike March shoot. We'll fix it. After the they beat the Broncos to open up the season, defending the Super Bowl title, yeah, coach, you know, the Broncos go, oh, shoot, we'll fix that. And then the next game was in Seattle. I went to that game, uh, played at Husky Stadium, actually, against, I think it was John Kitna quarterbacking wow. the Seahawks, and they put up a crap load of points. And it's kind of like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Shades of Charlie Whitehurst. And then you're going... I wonder if there's a defense because you're just you're thinking the defending Super Bowl champions. The defense was you know what they beat the Titans sixteen thirteen I think it was. The, the defense wasn't, and you're going okay. Is there an issue? Oh, shoot, we'll fix that. <laughs> and going okay, okay, and then it just became shoot, we'll fix it, and then shoot, we'll get Bud Carson out of retirement to be like a special consultant to the defensive coordinator. It, and it never fixed itself. It never was shot or fixed. It was ended in New Orleans. But I would have loved to have seen that Ravens team with that defense against that Rams team with that offense. And then also, from a masochistic football standpoint, to see the Rams defense and the Baltimore offense. And who would have won that battle of, you know... I mean, they had to be both two of the worst in the league in right, their respective right. categories. But on the flip side, the complete exactly, opposite. Yeah. Um, that was 0-1. That was the 2000 season, 2000. Super Bowl in 01. And they wound up playing the Giants and beating the hell out of them. Right. I think the Giants might have only scored on a special teams okay. touchdown. I thought I had a very light the fire under Tim question there, but I don't because it was the wrong year. Because the, the Rams went to the Super Bowl the following year. That's correct. That okay. was the beginning of the Patriots thing. Right, right. Right. My, I don't know where the Ravens were in 2001. I don't know what happened there. That that's year. my question is, have we got that awesome matchup and the Rams would have won that game? The Patriots beat the Steelers on the road to beat the Rams with Drew Bledsoe, by the way. Oh, Fun wow. facts for no one tell. Brady got hurt and Bledsoe played. And then there was an actual decision as to whether or not the Patriots and Belichick would start Brady or Bledsoe in that Super Bowl against the Rams. Hmm. Fun facts. No one tell yet again. And I remember going down to that Super Bowl and going, this is going to be kind of dumb. You know, I mean, they're just going to beat the hell out of them. It sucks. Kind of wanted to see them play the Steelers. That would have been better. And then all of a sudden at halftime, you're going, oh boy, <laughs> what do we got going here? Yeah. You know, oh, they can't, they can't move the football against these guys. Ah, the magic of having game film, though. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646, YouTube chat also uh, active, and you're welcome to partake there. It's the 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. Tim McCartney, Jackson Burkett with you. It's the Thursday Thoroughfare on Balloon Party. 
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party. Uh, you know, one of the, the signature segments of the early years of Balloon Party. So what'd your grandma think? And Jackson's bringing it back today. Unbelievable. And I assume this is an NHL story, so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what franchise's audio you were monitoring. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait till the next segment to find out. Boy, you're getting better at teasing. It's fun to watch to. you develop. I, I feel good. I feel great, actually. Good. Uh, Tim, what about the Colts? I guess this was in reference to me saying that the Ravens, next to the Patriots, uh, the Colts have the fifth best record in the NFL since 2000. Second place, not the Ravens. The Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. third, Packers, fourth, Ravens. But I would say that the Ravens have had more success than those franchises in the postseason. Yeah, Steelers beat the, I mean, they're probably, they have the same amount of Super Bowls in the, given the time frame. I guess the Steelers probably just have... They just don't have down years. Like even their down years are like five hundred, whereas opposed to when football is here. Steelers and the Cardinals, same business model. Yeah. Same kind of floor. Yeah. With the exception of last year. Cardinals finally had a bottom out. Yeah. And you look at like the Packers, like that's a team like that probably should have had more success when you look at it through the lens of the last Yeah, season. this year was one of the rarest years. Oh, look at the Packers. <laughs> yeah. How how fun is it to see them doing this? But others are oh my God, the Packers, they left one out there. Jackson, what's our next question here on this Thursday thoroughfare? Uh, someone we talk about a lot, our friend Dan Orlowski, uh, was on the Dan Patrick show discussing about some coaching opportunities that may or may not be coming his way. Surprising. I'm not going to ask directly about Dan Orlovsky's status as an NFL coach, but more so in a macro sense. What's the deal with teams feeling obligated to at least interview or have some sort of attraction to former coaches or former players who are on ESPN, Fox Sports 1? Why do you Can think? Give me some examples. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just like. Well, just looking at a few weeks ago, and obviously he's a former coach, or a few days ago, but Doc Rivers gets hired right off of the. TV set basically at ESPN. But I mean, I think we both agree Doc Rivers and Dan Orlovsky are are different. Certainly, certainly, certainly. It, it just kind of seems like um, Urban Meyer, who has gone back and forth between the two. But again, but I mean, in both that you're presenting, they both won championships. They're not known for being like take guy. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. And I don't think that take guy is getting all of the. Uh, the coaching opportunities, but like, I really want a 30 for 30 on Orlowski as a, as a coach in the NFL. I need a deep dive on this. That would be wild just because I, well, I just, I, he, so I was looking for the backstory on it. And so the way that this has transpired is he went on Pat McAfee show and said, he'd be interested in being a coach. 
And then after saying that, then he does Dan Patrick's show yesterday and says he's gotten some feelers from NFL coaches and organizations now that they know he's interested. It's like, you know, the Steelers are just, you know, maybe going to part ways with Tomlin if, if Orlovsky became available. I just have a trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. Yeah, it's... It- that one is like the strangest one of them all. Like that is wild. But I think it kind of seems like if a coach is like, I don't have a job here, I'll just go to one of these major networks and keep myself in the public eye. And I don't know if subconsciously or, you know, actively teams are looking at that like, yeah, this guy is available. You know, they're doing stuff. They're probably wanting to get back in the game. I just don't know if that's like a mindset of a coach. It's like, I am no longer going to have a job. It's not fair for me to do this, but I'm going to do it to you. Is there somebody who you can think of outside? You've talked about Doc Rivers and Urban Meyer, but like somebody who's kind of just been a guy coaching who then gets on ESPN and then gets job opportunities. I, and I'm, ask, I'm asking not to like, no, you know, it. have my Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson moment with you. I'm just trying to figure out if like your, your, your basis is rooted in truth or maybe it's just more perception because again, I don't think people view Doc Rivers as a broadcaster. I know that was his most recent job before the Bucks job. And I don't think people view Urban Meyer as a broadcaster. They view him as a successful college coach for certain, not NFL coach. So that's why I'm I'm trying to see if there actually is merit to this theory that coaches go into broadcasting so as to stay in the mix for coaching. The Van Gundy brothers strike me as some as two that possibly because both have coached a lot in the NBA and done a lot of broadcasting in the NBA. So those two would be like the ones right at the top of my head, more specifically Stan who like bounced back and forth a bunch. So I, that's like the only one. It just could just be a case of they're talented, really talented at both. And so their services are, are wanted. I just, it just kind of like there was the discussion of like possibly Belichick going to a major network and being on like a, a panel show. And I just don't see anything that he's done in his career that would warrant that. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that that was being discussed. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, Saban, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that that would not be a case of someone who's trying to get back into coaching. He is his job was solidified. So you're saying Belichick might go to a panel show to then try to get back into coaching? Like I'm not he, saying that. I'm not saying that. I saw others saying that, and it's like that. Your follow up is like who's now, saying that? Yes, hundred percent. I don't know because you know if I if it's like guy on Twitter, pack a lunch. But if it's like Andrew Marchand was writing, I read a lot of stuff, and so it's sometimes I can't. <laughs> I don't know. If you're watching on YouTube, I, you can see the disappointment on my face. I I know I'm not like pulling this out of thin air. Like I know I saw something because other. Why else would I say it? Because he has done nothing in his career to warrant like he would be great in the, in the right. studio. I mean, if there's one guy who would be bad. Right. That's it would good. be him. That's kind of my point. That's kind of maybe. Maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm off. But do you think Tom Brady has any interest in coaching? No, but he's not a coach. No, but he is a, a all-time great former player. What's that got to do with the question? Well, because a lot of these all-time greats sometimes go into coaching. And so I'm asking, like, is the broadcast booth a stepping stone? Now I'm asking again. I'm really, I'm really asking. I really am. And I hope you believe me, because you know I'm not trying to do you dirt. Mm-hmm. What all-time great quarterbacks have like gone, okay, now I'm going to coach, and maybe I'm... All-time great quarterback. Like Jim Harbaugh did play quarterback in the NFL. His last team, if I'm not mistaken. He, I watched him play against the Rams, God bless him, uh, the good Rams, here in St. Louis. Uh, 
but I don't know. I mean, I'm giving you some time here. Right. And I want to ask a counter question, but that would be dodging your question, which sure. would be unfair. But I, mean, I, but I recognize it. You know, I, I can tell you have seven high and you got caught. It's fine. Yeah, I don't four bet. It's your it's your only chance to take down the pot is to four bet. There there is a one that I can think of off the top of my head. My counter question is how many all time greats go into broadcasting? Well, I mean broadcasting, I mean calling games. Well, me, right? Okay. Uh, Adam Wainwright, uh, but at the level of Tom Brady, like Wayne Gretzky does the panel show on TNT. I know, but I didn't bring up Tom Brady. I don't. You brought up Tom Brady out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm You're straw manning. Get with the program. We're trying to be Orlovsky. I still don't understand what Tom Brady had to do with the conversation. My, but why I ask, like, do you think Tom Brady would ever want to get into coaching? And do you think it would be right, better? That's like a it's like new like graphic over your shoulder just changed. Now, object <laughs> players in coaching. Fair. Like I, I said, I'm strong. I feel like you feel strongly about where you're coming from, but you don't want to come back over the top. No, I, I really don't do. because I don't have any backing. Like I don't like, but I probably do. I just don't have like the research in front of me because I, I you know, ham handed question on my part. <laughs> Boy, then this is really honesty and media. I can recognize my flaws while also like, like the play is so confusing by you that I think you might be ahead in the hand. Yeah. It's like yeah. when I'd sit at the World Series of Poker against somebody who I, who I could tell didn't know what they were doing, but they had a bunch of chips. Like, couldn't fi- I couldn't figure out what he's on. Oh, it turns out he had King 8 offsuit. I'm, I'm like really racking my brain to like f- try to find examples, and it's really not coming to me, which is a, a problem. And um, I'm starting to get like uh, pressure in the back of my head. <laughs> so if my eyes start bleeding, just know like... Uh, like I followed and I was intrigued by, oh, does this, is this something that coaches who want to get back into coaching do? Who would be examples of Jeff it? Saturday. Jeff Saturday on broadcasting and then became coach of the Colts and then back to broadcasting he went. And you think he's going to be back in the mix for another head coaching job? Not anytime soon, but, <laughs> but that was a, he shouldn't have taken, that was a victim of circumstance. But, that was a victim of a very unique owner. Right, right. But, he, but I don't think people, like Jeff Saturday's career, what do you think of? You probably think of center, yes. Colts, yes. broadcaster. Right. Oh, yeah, and then for like a month and a half, he coached the Colts, and people were confused by it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Rex Ryan. That's the one that I kept thinking of. Rex but Ryan. I don't know if Rex Ryan really wants to get back into coaching. I don't think he does. Okay. That was your, that was but, your but, ace but, of spades. Yeah, well, th- that's what I have. You, okay, you take the pot. Take it. I did. <laughs> A lot of action. Yeah. I'll just go back to the cashier. Uh, great news for the audience, though, is so what'd your grandma think? Yeah. This is really just throat clearing for so what'd your grandma think? I can't wait to hear it. Jackson yeah. is excited about it. It's coming your way here in a matter of moments on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sometimes the media asks bad questions, like... Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh. Or... What went through your mind when you were told that the contract was done? What's that? And when that happens, players will fire back. I mean, are you looking to get into a pissing match with you and I? Yeah. Bryce, it's a clown question, bro. Now, it's time for... So what's your grandma think? I have to tell you, that piece of production still... Tickles me pink. That's so good. Jackson set this up because it is a special day on Balloon Party when So What Your Grandma Think makes a wonderful return it on is. ESPN. Uh, so last night, Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks, point guard and oh, forward. Oh, so NBA. Yeah, sorry. Um, he requested that a fan be ejected. 
after what Luca claims was uh, the entire first half of heckling him, going over the line, and then finally he was just like, this is too much. The guy was heckling too much, threw him out. And the reporter, uh, from what Luca is saying, was basically like a uh, fan said something to Luca, and he threw him out of the game. And what Luca's point was is you're not including the fact that he's been heckling me all game. And so when asked about it in the presser. And where did this happen? Uh, in Dallas. Uh, so oh, in Dallas. I was, okay. believe that is the case. I believe this happened in Dallas. So this is uh, the reporter and Luca going back and forth on it. Luca, what were you frustrated about at the end of the uh, second quarter when you got that tactical? Uh, I know I saw you when you said about the fan, you know. That was not a true all. That was not the only thing he said. Uh, but I knew you would be the first one to, to point out something like that. Cause I'm not going to say what he said, but I knew you were going to be the first one to put out something like that. So I just saw it, man. It's just funny. He always seemed to be the first one to put some bad stuff about me. First of all, 99% of the stuff I've written about you has been good. Uh, I don't know. I was sitting two rows behind us. All right, so it was the only thing he was, that time he said something, the only thing? That was what you reacted to. Yeah, I was hearing the whole first half, right? Oh, you didn't hear anything? He was definitely hollering. Okay, there we go. But you put out something that was just the only thing, but... Okay, the final straw? What was the final issue? What was the thing that... It's not the issue, I'm just... Seeing you seems to be the first one to always put something bad about me. That's fine. It's all over. Why did you ask for the fan to be ejected? Because he was cursing me the whole first half, too. Why didn't you ask for Luke to be ejected in the first half, then? Because I never would eject a fan. They pay for tickets, but I had enough, you know. It's a little bit of frustration. You turned your head and looked over at him after he said that. That's, I mean, that's what we saw. Yeah, that's fine. Be the guy, the bad guy in the media, right? It's all right. Fairly portrayed in the media. No. Okay, I, 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 I want to. I know we only have what do we have? Three minutes left. When you hear that, I'm asking the audience here, and I of course want your perspective. Uh, and thank you for bringing this to the program, by the way. Are you on Lucas' side or the media side? I'm curious. Three one four three nine 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 six four six. I really am curious. Jackson, where are you? I hear that, and I'm just like, do you, first off, do you know who who the it had to be a writer? I, yeah, I was a writer. I don't I don't know the so name. Like Dallas Morning News or is it Athletic? Not positive on that. I probably should have that information, but I am. I hate when stuff is put out there on Twitter, especially because you're limited on characters and. It already is out of context enough. And when you don't put things in proper context, that always frustrates me because fans are very quick to be upset with players when they ask for player, for fans to be ejected. More so in the NBA, I think, than any other league. Um, but at the same time, you know, just because you pay for a ticket doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to other human beings. That's just not how society works. So I am on board with Luca on terms of this guy always being the first to put out bad stuff about him. I'm not aware of that. I don't know the, the truth behind that. But in this case in particular, if he's putting out that Luca, someone said something to Luca and he asked to be thrown out and didn't include that he was hollering at him the whole game, as the reporter admitted that he was hollering at him the whole game, I don't like putting things in improper context. Uh, let's see. That's about split so far. From my perspective, where do you think I am? I think you'll be on Lucas' side on this one. Yeah, I am 100% on Lucas' side. He's also at a disadvantage because he's not speaking his first language. Right. Um, 
And so I'd love to know what the history is between him and the writer. Yeah. But what he's trying to say that is kind of clear, but obviously since it's not his first language, and but that the, that it went on all the time throughout the game, and then finally it crossed a line for him, mm-hmm. and he said, okay, that's enough. But then I guess their counter was, and I don't know why there was like like all of a sudden like a little chicken hawk joined him. <laughs> Where did he come from? Yeah. You know, it's like if two guys are fighting and all of a sudden some other guy jumps in, you go, well, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So the, the the chicken hawk uh, goes, well, what what you know? Why do you why why was that too much? Well, because then that he had enough after right. like it went on for the first two quarters. Right. So. But Luca has an issue with this guy going after him in particular. And then he goes, do you have an issue with the media? No. Well, then the reason is because it's one guy. Right. I mean, it's like the guy's a bad player fighting for his career. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know why I chose to major in journalism. I really don't. This is a moment of self-reflection. I guess I could do it off the air, but it's just such a bad business. It wasn't this bad, though, when I chose, you know? And all I wanted to do was play-by-play anyway. But then I majored in journalism, which was like a mistake. And then all of a sudden I'm doing local TV, which is really dumb. Like, it was dumb then. I mean, now it's really, really dumb. Oh, God. What did I do, Jackson? What did I do? Regrets. I had a few. But then again. We're harmonizing right there. Did you notice that? That was like Wilson Phillips. Yeah, that was really good. Ending the show on the high note. Yeah. Ha-ha. Time for us to go. BK and Ferrario are up next. Uh, Jackson and I are going to be on live on YouTube on youtube.com slash TMASTL doing QFTA at around 1130. Send your questions, comments, hate mail in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.